You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. As Angelus said, I'm a spiritual director, and I really love being a spiritual director. And the funny thing is, I didn't even know anything about spiritual direction until about 10 years ago. And I remember reading about it in a book about spiritual formation and thinking, that's it. That's what I've always wanted to do. I just didn't even know it was a thing. I've always been fascinated with people's stories. I love to ask questions. I would much rather listen than talk. And doing this work means that I get the privilege of sitting with people every day who are committed to walking with God and wrestling with God through the everyday stuff of their life. They're committed to doing the work of following God. And as I continue to learn and to practice, I'm becoming more and more convinced that the most important thing that I get to do is I get to help people have conversations with God. And by helping, I don't even really mean help. I mean, most of the time, I'm just sort of reminding them that they get to do that. And for those of you who are in the room and you're unfamiliar with spiritual direction and what it is, I really want to give you a sense of what it is, but it's kind of challenging to explain in a few words. It really takes paragraphs. And so instead, I thought I might share just a a real-life example with you, just sort of a small snippet of a spiritual direction conversation that I got to have just this past week. And I'll put this disclaimer in. Spiritual direction is totally confidential, which means that I have permission from this person to share this specific part of the conversation with you. And here's what happened. On Wednesday, just this past week, we were in the middle of about an hour-long conversation, and the person I was talking with shared that they felt like they were carrying a heavy burden. And he said, I wonder when I'll be able to put it down. And he meant it as a rhetorical question, right? It was almost just sort of wistful, like offered into the air. And in response, I said, well, what do you hear from God when you ask him about that? And he laughed and said, "Uh, I haven't asked him. I already know what he's going to say. So all I did... All I did was just suggest that maybe we pause and check in with God about that. So he said, okay, and you could watch him. He just really sank down into prayer. And I'm telling you, I watched as he had this beautiful exchange with God. That wasn't what he expected. It was totally unexpected. And it left him feeling peaceful and hopeful. And not because he talked with me, but because he talked with God. If we want to have a growing relationship with God, we must talk with him. Conversation is the work of relationship. Therapists will tell you that people in any sort of relationship 
If they stop talking to one another, the end is not far off. And here's the funny thing about it. Conversation doesn't have to solve every problem. It doesn't have to lead to perfect agreement or answer every question on the table in order to be effective or healthy. People who want to stay connected must keep talking to one another. That's why I'm so glad our teaching team is sort of presenting the Lord's Prayer as a series of conversation starters. Jesus could have taught his disciples everything about prayer in response to their question, but instead, he knew that the most important thing he could teach them was how to stay connected to their Father. So we offered them this framework for ongoing conversation. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Each of those phrases offers so many places to start talking from. And here's where we're going to land today. This next phrase in verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Let's pause and pray. Lord, your word is so rich and deep and layered. We could just like dive into it and not come out for a very long time. But would you help us today to notice what you want us to notice in these six words? Would you help our minds be uh, ready to hear them? And would you help our hearts be open to responding to you? Amen. Give us today our daily bread. These words on their own, like individually, they're pretty simple and straightforward. There are tougher words in the Bible. But when we put them together and we try to sort of make sense of what God's trying to communicate, it really does get a little murky. Is this about bread? And did you notice there's not a please? Shouldn't there be a please somewhere here? It sounds a little demanding to me. I have questions. And in usual Jesus style, right, you don't hear him offering a whole lot of commentary or explanation. Instead, he just invites us to ask our questions and and have this conversation, get it started. So let's, let's take him up on it. Here's the first question I think we all ask. What's my daily bread? What exactly am I supposed to be asking for? My guess is that the disciples heard daily bread and immediately remembered that time their ancestors were fed miraculously by God in the desert, right? The book of Exodus tells the story. God has miraculously delivered his people out of slavery in Egypt, and they're following him through the desert to this place that he has promised them, the promised land. This trip has not started out great, though. Right away, they had a scary moment at the Red Sea. Then they ran out of drinkable water. Now they're out of food. 
and they are not happy. I want to read you some excerpts from the full story in Exodus chapter 16. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. There's the anger. And now the Lord responds. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Then we skip to the end of the chapter to see how it all worked out. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but then it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. For the Israelites in the wilderness, daily bread was a very literal supply of bread that rained down from the sky each day. It was bread that kept their physical bodies alive for 40 years in the wilderness. But whether they knew it or not, it was also spiritual bread. It was a daily demonstration that God was committed to care for them. And the liturgy, the liturgy of picking up the bread each day and preparing it and serving it to their families and eating it was part of their spiritual development. God didn't just call him his people. He didn't just call them his people and leave them to fend for themselves. He took care of them. Science now tells us that children attach emotionally to those who feed them. That was the Israelites. What is God inviting us to ask for? Are we talking here about bread, bread, or spiritual bread? And I would say yes to both things. Daily bread is anything and everything we need to be okay. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, what do we need to sustain life? That is our daily bread. But need, ooh, needs a tricky word here. It's hard, isn't it, to know the difference between a need and what we want? And we're going to see the Israelites, they're struggling with this same issue. Listen again to their complaint in verse 3. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. They have a lot of positive things to say about their time in slavery, don't they? <laughs> My favorite is the claim that in Egypt they got what they wanted. Even if that was true, 
Is getting what you want better than your freedom? In the desert, God was teaching them how to be free. And part of that was learning to be satisfied with receiving what they needed when they needed it. What is it like for us to ask for God what we need and be satisfied with what he provides? I'll go first with my answer. It's hard. I don't want to ask for daily bread. I want to ask for what I want and how I want it and when I want it. And then I want him to get to work. And when he doesn't produce, I call it unanswered prayer. Mm, Sorry. I'm not suggesting that we don't have wants and desires. And I'm not suggesting that God doesn't want to hear about our wants and desires. God is a good parent. He really does want to hear all of that, which is exactly why he's inviting us to have this conversation with him. He wants us to put it all out on the table. But then once it's all on the table, he wants to help us sort it. And then he holds all of it carefully and makes sure that we have what we need. For the parents in the room, we get this. We get this sorting process, right? Kids come at us all day, every day with their needs and their wants and their desires. And it's our jobs as the adults, we have the responsibility to help them sort them. And if they're not able to, to do the sorting for them, and then provide the things that they need for healthy living. And they are not always going to like our choices. But if we're doing our jobs reasonably well, hopefully somewhere deep down deep, they know that we, our intention is for them, to help them and not to harm them. Do we trust our Father in heaven to do the same, to give us what we need. And sometimes, frankly, we're just going to straight up disagree with God about what our daily bread should be. And today, this very day, many people in our world do not have what they need for basic living, food, shelter, medical care. And then there are others of us, those needs are met, But we feel like meaningful work, healthy bodies, protection while we travel, like those things should be our daily bread. And when those things don't happen, we begin to feel like God is holding out on us. And that feeling can cause us to stop talking or to stop talking about what really matters. Instead, God invites us to just keep talking, even when the conversation becomes challenging. Even those conversations are healing and connecting. Another conversation we might want to have with God is about stockpiling. 
how much bread do you need? And when do you need it to arrive? God gave the Israelites very clear instructions about how much they needed. Go out each day, get what you need for that day. On the sixth day, you can get double, so you have enough on the seventh day so you can rest on the Sabbath. Very clear. Sounds like most of the group was able to follow instructions, but aren't there some in every group who just struggle? But before we're tempted to get too judgy, let's ponder for a moment some decisions we made a few years ago about this time. The toilet paper crisis (laughs) of 2020. I did a little research on this very proud moment in our history. I really felt it was my duty to get to the bottom of what happened. (laughs) As things were shutting down at the beginning of the pandemic and everyone was at home more, we were using our bathrooms more and starting to go through toilet paper faster. So a lot of people ran out of toilet paper all at once, kind of more than usual. And they went to the store and bought toilet paper. Then the next group of people ran out, and they got to the store to buy more, but they got there before the store had a chance to receive the next shipment and stock the shelves. So they showed up, and the shelves were empty and they panicked. But they were not content to panic alone. They went to social media and talked about how panicked they were. And then everybody was panicked. And then people who had plenty of toilet paper started to worry that maybe they didn't have enough. And it really did become a crisis at that point. But y'all, there are people who are actually studying this now. And what they're saying is, is that there were always plenty of raw ingredients to keep making a very steady supply of toilet paper. And companies, they knew what was happening. They were working around the clock to sort of tweak packaging and distribution processes. We just needed to wait one minute for more inventory to be shipped and delivered and stocked on the shelves. We needed to trust that our needs would be met. But we didn't want to count on a daily supply. So we collected more than we needed. Our defense was, we were in a crisis. So were the Israelites. They'd been through a series of really, actually horrible events. And the food they'd left Egypt with was gone. And they couldn't buy more. They couldn't grow more in the desert. And how many meals do our kids need to miss before it's a crisis? Can we blame them for being just a little self-reliant? But that wasn't God's invitation to them. God's invitation was to let him care for them 
one day at a time. And God offers us the same invitation to be dependent on his love and care every day. It's a beautiful invitation, but it feels risky and vulnerable. And why does he insist on it? At our house, if on a Monday morning we set out enough food for our three teenage boys to eat all week, we wouldn't see them again until next Monday. Instead, we lure them a couple of times each day to the table with food. And while they are eating, we offer them connection. Why? Because we love them. I need to see their face to know if they're okay. I want to hear what's happening in their worlds. So don't tell them. They think they're just eating. But really, we're connecting as a family. God wants to connect with you regularly. He doesn't want to give you a Costco-sized box of granola bars and send you on your way. Which leads me to the last conversation we might want to consider having. How do we receive our bread? In the Israelites' case, the bread fell directly into their camp, and the camp was set up wherever God was. So get it? They received the bread when they stayed close to God. The bread wasn't appearing in Egypt, and this is amazing to me, the bread was not falling in the promised land either. It was falling where they were that day where God had them. This has been so incredibly comforting to me this week, this thought. I'm so tempted to think that I've got to be somewhere to get the bread, that there's this some sort of magical finish line somewhere where I've got to get to, and that's where the bread's being distributed, and if I can't make my way there, I'm going to miss out. The bread comes through the connection, through intimate relationship with God. And how is that developed? In conversation. And when I'm talking about conversation with God, of course I'm talking about prayer. But I want to make sure that our idea of prayer is broad enough to include all the kinds of interactions that God invites us to have with him. Prayer happens in a lot of ways. It helps me personally to put prayer into three categories. We talk to God, we listen to God, and sometimes we're quiet with God. Healthy communication with anyone happens when we do these three things in the right balance. Now, we understand talking and listening. I think we're good there. Maybe we need to hear more about being quiet together with God in prayer. That can feel a little unnatural at first. At least it did for me. But really, though, that happens already in some of your closest relationships, I'm pretty sure. These moments tend to happen when both people just sort of run out of things to say, and you just 
fall into a comfortable silence. Makes me think about car trips, right? We all start car trips with a lot of words, you know, is everything here? Is the place in the GPS? What are we going to listen to on the radio? What time are we getting there? What are we going to do when we're there? Where are we going to stop to eat? And then maybe we go into like, how was your week? What's happening on, in the news? We sing along with the radio. We listen to a podcast. But then eventually, if the car ride is long enough, we fall into just a comfortable silence, right? We're both sharing the same space in the car. We're heading in the same direction, watching the same scenery go by. We're just content to experience it together. No words necessary. That only happens in the safety of close relationships. It's been a while, but as I remember, on a first date, any silence is awkward silence. In a new relationship, both people feel responsible to sort of keep the conversation going, right? So I remember thinking ahead of time of things to say or things to ask, feeling like I had to be sort of like entertaining or at least interesting. But in intimate relationships, we get to rest in the connection that's already been formed. This way of being with God is called contemplative prayer. We might start our prayer times talking and listening to God, but eventually we can, we can just get quiet. In the quiet, what we're choosing is to release God from any expectations that he's going to speak or act or show us something, and we just rest in the safety of our connection with him. And then he does the same with us. Just sharing space and comfortable silence. We don't have to keep him interested or entertained. He's not like a teacher or a busy boss who's got a line of people at his door and he's got to keep it moving. And as I'm describing this, my guess is that some of our souls just gave a sigh of relief, like, oh, I can stop talking. I don't have to keep stringing words together when I'm already sort of out of words. I get to just be with God and I'm guessing there are others of us in the room who felt our stomachs drop. That sounds terrible. <laughs> I have things I want to say. Isn't being quiet how they punish people? And some of us come from homes where silence was used as a weapon. And so we kind of just like to keep the chit-chat going to keep everybody happy. And both of those responses are totally understandable. You and God are going to figure out what is next for you. I promise it. He will tell you what he is inviting you into. But maybe something I've said has you a little curious. If that's the case, I've included a couple of resources in the program notes online or you're welcome to come to one of us and ask us, and we'll help you start that conversation with God. Because that's what it is. 
It's just another great conversation to have with God. Ask him, how are you inviting me to pray? Because I'm going to say it one more time, daily bread comes through our connection with God, through an ever-deepening, intimate relationship with God. I want to end today by giving you an opportunity to experiment with just a little bit of contemplative prayer, with what it's like to just rest in quiet with God. It's pretty simple. I'm really, I'm just going to set a timer for two minutes. If you're new to this type of prayer, it's going to feel like an eternity. I call it treadmill time, right? (laughs) Versus TV time. That's okay. Our goal is to get quiet, not just with our mouths, but with our mind. You will get distracted. That's okay. You are never, ever going to be able to eliminate all distracting thoughts. You're just not going to. The trick is to just don't engage them, right? Just imagine yourself sitting on the bank of a river and just watch them flow by. Don't get in the water and start fishing them out. It just makes it worse. (laughs) And if you do find yourself in the river, it's okay. Be gentle. Just take yourself out, sit back on the bank, start over. Some people find it helpful to use a word to sort of recenter themselves. I like to just say, Jesus. I'm sort of asking for his help in that moment, and I'm sort of restating my intention to rest with him. So you might want to try that. No pressure, really. No pressure to do this perfectly. No pressure to even like it. Let's just sort of see what happens, okay? So we're going to stay seated. We're going to just be comfortable in our chairs and our bodies. I would invite you to close your eyes, especially in a room full of people. It will help with distractions just a little bit. Thank you, Lord, for this invitation to just rest with you. Thank you that you want to rest with us.
Lord, receive our silence as the offering that we bring this morning. Sometimes we just know to bring ourselves. Thank you that you welcome that. Show us what's next as we follow you. We'll be really grateful. Amen. If you'll stand, we've been closing the Sundays in this series by reciting the Lord's Prayer together, and that's, that's been a really beautiful experience, I think, for all of us to state our desire together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.